Welcome to the weekly podcast for Affair Care. My name is Cindy Taylor. I'm the co-founder here at Affair Care, along with my, my dear hubby David, who is the, the, the cameraman, the video producer, and the man behind the scenes. Welcome to our podcast. Uh, this week we are uh, taking from the we are taking uh, topics from the survey that that everyone has been filling out. And first of all, let me just say thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to fill out the survey. I, I purposely made it not not too long so that it's not too bad of a, uh, you know, doesn't take a lot of time and whatnot. But I appreciate that you took the time. And so many of you, we've gotten a, a couple hundred responses, and I'm very grateful for um, all your time and everything. So thank you, thank you very much. Um, if you have not taken the survey yet, and now you're kind of wondering, oh, I wonder what that survey is all about, I'll ask David if he would put the, the link for it right here. And this is our uh, 2017 topics survey. And we are kind of wondering where you're at, uh, what do you need to know a little bit more about, what do you, you, know, what are you how can we help you? That's what we want to know, um, so that we can answer your questions and uh, best address the things that you are dealing with. So one of the things that was uh, very popular in the responses we have gotten so far is the, the problem uh, of problem solving. We typically do address uh, affairs and infidelity and uh, that sort of a thing, but this particular problem could be taken, you know, it really it can, it can work both ways. It could be a problem that you have before your spouse, you know, you're gonna affair-proof your marriage by learning how to deal with problems better and thus your your spouse will not have an affair um or it could also be uh, the problems that you have in your marriage because of the affair either way the the methods if you will that you would use to uh address and the the the, the actions that you would take to solve the problems in your marriage are, are pretty much the same so we're going to just address the overall big topic of problem solving so, okay, the first thing that must be ascertained before we even move on to the actions is, are you trying to get someone else to solve the problem for you? Uh, if you hear things like this coming out of your mouth or your spouse's mouth, like, I can't make my mind up, or I can't help it, or what should I do? Should I stay or should I go, right? Um, these are typically clues that you want someone else to do your job. So are you trying to avoid taking personal responsibility? Are you trying to avoid the natural consequences of your choices? In essence, if this is the issue, then the problem is not the real problem. The real problem is that you don't want to be responsible. So the solution is to make a choice and act. Make the decision, accept the benefits of the choice that you made, and live with the consequences of the choice that you made. If, on the other hand, you are worried about making the right choice, then the answer to that is actually pretty simple. Here are a series of uh, five actions that you can take to solve pretty much any problem. 
Okay, the, the first action you can take is to secure commitment from both parties, that's you and your spouse, uh, commitment to Christ and to his word as the standard for all that is done and said. Uh, to put this into layman's term, the both of you need to agree that you will uh, that you will obey Christ and obey what his word says to do, that you are willing to obey God. If you cannot secure this commitment, if you do not agree on this first action, then that's where the pro that's the real problem and that's where you have to start. I don't care if there is another problem. The other problem is probably because of this one, <laughs> namely that you have not secured commitment to obey Christ and obey what is in the Bible. So, first secure that. Then I'm going to call it 1A. Because if you, if you do, if you both are Christians and you both agree, yes, I am in submission to Christ and I will obey what the Bible says to do, then you're good. So then the, the, the action you would take is to study together what the Bible has to say about the problem. Uh, and you go into this study with an open mind saying um, to yourself, if you will, I'm not taking sides. Maybe it will prove my side right. Maybe it will prove my spouse's side right. And maybe it will be neither one of us and we both have to do something different. But I'm going to learn whatever the Bible says. That's what I'm going to do. So um, as a little uh, tool or resource for you, we're going to uh, include, um, I'll, I'll put, put this link here, but also put it in the um, blog and in the notes of the YouTube channel, for example, the uh, link to Nave's Topical Bible Concordance online. Now, what this is, is a, a tool, a Bible study tool, that you can type in any kind of a topic, and it will give you what the Bible says about that topic. All, here's all the verses on that topic. And then you can read for yourself from the Bible verses about whatever your discussion is, and then uh, based on what you've read, here's what you believe, you know, what your what you believe the Bible is saying, and then do that. So it's, it's a tool to help you study together what the Bible says about the problem. Okay, the second action that you can take uh, to help make a right decision is to ask yourself if the, whatever the thing is, but the problem, does foster and establish companionship between the spouses. Okay, uh, here's why that this action is really important. Um, as we've discussed in a, you know, some of our previous uh, podcasts and blogs, specifically the Marriage Blueprint podcasts and blogs, um, marriage is a covenant of companionship. So if whatever it is that is going on does not foster and establish companionship, then it is counter to God's intention for marriage. Okay? So you can ask yourself, is this thing you know, encouraging and growing and establishing companionship between myself and my spouse. If it's not, then you need to stop it. It's just that simple. If, on the other hand, it is fostering and establishing companionship between you, um, then you can move to the, the next little action, which is, number three, uh, unity in intimacy. Okay? Now, this particular part, um, 
action, if you will, has there's two parts of it, unity and intimacy. Now, the unity part means, you know, we've all heard of it. When people are married, they are one flesh. And that doesn't just mean about sex, which is what normal normally people jump to, you know, they think about intimacy equals sex, right? In this instance, unity is, you know, the two of you are one. And so you are uh, united, whatever, everything, every choice that you make has some sort of an effect on your spouse. And likewise, every decision that they make has some sort of an effect on you. So, so there is a, uh, a when you, you're going along in your marriage, you want to get to that understanding that you are united and you have a mutual understanding and you're making mutual decisions. You're united, you're on the same team. But the other part is regarding the intimacy. Okay, again, you know, almost everyone thinks, oh, one flesh, we're, you know, we're talking about sex here, and, and no. As I mentioned in the um, Marriage Blueprint podcast, marriage is supposed to be the closest, most intimate of all human relationships. So when we talk about intimacy, we're not talking just about sex, although that is part of it. It's one body, yes, indeed, absolutely. But there's also the the uh, one the marriage union which is a, a union of companionship and the union of spirit which is the union of being uh, united in Christ so God reveals that um, there's also there's physical intimacy sex you know is this thing causing disruption in physical intimacies such as hugs and kisses and whatnot or sex. Are you using sex as a weapon? That kind of thing to get your way, to manipulate. Well, if you are, then you have to stop it. <laughs> and likewise, is it causing damage to the uh, emotional, I call it emotional and mental, because your feelings and your thoughts, are your feelings and your thoughts for your spouse being eroded because of this thing, then you're eroding the intimacy. You have to stop. You have to. Mm-hmm. So the third action is the unity and intimacy. A, we're in this together, we're a team, everything I do affects you, everything you do affects me, so we have to get on the same side on this. And then also the intimacy. If it's eroding your intimacy, you have to stop, period. Okay, the fourth action you can take is growth, which, which means sanctification. Um, is this thing that you're doing uh, encouraging and fostering growth in Christ as a couple? Um, or is it a hindrance to your growth in Christ as a couple? Now, in some instances, you're going to ha- run across a more mature, one spouse is more mature Christian, and the other spouse is maybe a brand new Christian or less mature. But we know uh, from our discussion from last week even, that um, the mature Christian is not going to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in front of the less mature Christian. That's going to cause them to not grow, to, to sin, to fall into sin or be tempted by sin. So the, the action that you take here is to you know, ask, is this problem, whatever it may be, stopping our growth in Christ? If it is, you have to stop. Pretty simple, isn't it? I mean, this really is it. pretty simple. Okay, the fifth action you can take is, does this 
problem, or whatever, exemplify the relationship between Christ, the groom, and his church, the bride. So, uh, for example, if the problem is causing your marriage to not be a reflection of the relationship that Christ had with his church, then you have to stop. <laughs> if, on the other hand, you've gone through the steps, okay, and um, you've secured a commitment that you're both going to obey the Bible, and you read it and couldn't really find something, let's say. Um, it doesn't seem to be affecting your companionship. It's not, you know, well, unity and intimacy, you know, you're still united on the same team. You're still uh, sharing things closely. Uh, it's not causing a stumbling block to your spouse as into their growth in Christ. And your marriage still is exemplifying the relationship between Christ and his church. But you guys just are having a dis disagreement. You don't see things the same way. If you take these five steps and it's not resolved, then what it comes down to, honestly, is personal preference. Uh, at, at that point, I would say just discuss it with your spouse and agree to pick one. And we have a thing we call, you can see it on our site, it's called Moo Mutual United um, Understanding. And what you do is you just agree that you will do nothing until there is earnest and mutual agreement. Now, when there is that time, then you honestly, there, there's not a right or wrong. You can pick the one that you happen to prefer. And if, for example, the thing you prefer disagrees with the thing your spouse prefers, then you would look again to the Bible and say, well, what does the Bible say about kind of forcing my stuff on my spouse? Get it? So now to conclude our uh, podcast this week, I'm going to, to just give one example that's like extremely typical. And that is arguing about money. The reason this is a great example is because before there's an affair, sometimes people argue about money. And after there's been an affair, um, often the loyal spouse will discover that the disloyal spouse spent a bunch of money on um, the affair partner. So they're arguing about money. Where'd that money go and, and whatnot. You get the drift. So you're arguing about money. And let's envision, you know, the husband, uh, he, he went out and bought a man toy without speaking to the wife about it. Or um, the wife um, spent a bunch of money on her affair. You know, you, you get the, they spent this money and it was hidden. And now they have more debt than they can afford. And they're arguing about it. Okay, so first step one, they would commit to, to a, and agree that whatever the Bible says to do about money, that they will do that. Okay, step 1A, they would study what does the Bible say about money? So they're going to open their Nave's topical concordance online, type in the word money and search for that, and they're going to read every verse that the Bible has that talks about money and um, how God thinks about money. Now, I can tell you right now that God does not typically want us to be selfish, and when he gives us money, it's his money, and we're just stewards to do the work of his kingdom. So if your money is not doing the work of his kingdom, redo. Stop it, right? <laughs> okay. Step number two. You're going to, uh, is, is the money that was spent or is being, is it fostering and establishing companionship? So if the, if the guy went out and bought a man toy, he probably, uh, maybe he's thinking he's going to go play with it with his buddies. That's not fostering companionship with his wife. Now he may think, but honey, we'll sit in the man toy and we'll go out on these little and have fun together. It 
could be, but the part that is the problem is that the companionship, he, he didn't take his companion into consideration when he got this thing. Um, and that's not to say he needs her permission, but it's more like consideration, right? So you kind of fell on that one, didn't you? Okay, next part, uh, unity and intimacy. Well, the unity is definitely smashed because there was no unity in this decision. It was one-sided. And the intimacy is now broken because there there's not a meeting of the, the body, the mind, the spirit. All that's kind of in a jumble because of this purchase. So clearly... You see, uh, oh, we've already only gotten to number three, and the answer to that question is kind of clear. Um, so this is what you do. You just go through. And then let's say you get to the end of it, and it's um, it was a purchase that he made that um, he didn't, oh, let's say he's, he's got it in the cart, but he didn't make the purchase, but it's there. He wants to buy it, and she doesn't want to buy it. So let's let's say that's a little, little different part of the example. So far, there hasn't been a... a you know, um, there's disagreement, but there hasn't been a breakdown of companionship, nor is the unity and intimacy smashed. Could be putting a stumbling block in front of the, the, the spiritual growth of the spouse. So that is a possibility, number four. And then number, number five, does it exemplify the relationship between Christ and his church? Well, let's say that um, the husband saved and saved and saved up, and he's going to buy this thing for his wife that would really, she's got a little medical issue and it would, it was really expensive, but he wants to buy it. He's, he's like, yay, honey, let's go. And she's like, oh, honey, we can't spend that money. We need it for whatever. Okay. That could ex exemplify the relationship between Christ and his church because he's sacrificing for her and he's willing to make the sacrifice for her. So that could be, right? So you've gotten down to the five steps and there's not a resolution. At that point, it really does become a personal preference. At which point, you, you just say to yourself, uh, to, to the, the spouses, you say to each other, we agree to do nothing until we both are like earnestly, mutually, un, you know, in agreement on this. So we're not going to purchase it until we both agree. But, but she also agrees to not force him to not purchase it, if that makes any sense. So you're going to have to work it out till you hit an agreement. And what will happen is that at one point or, or another, there's a, one of the two of you will say, you know what, I believe, you know, in thinking about it all again, um, Bible says to submit, I'm going to put some trust in you and say, okay, let's go ahead and go get it. And then there you go, you got mutual agreement. Or maybe the other one will say, you know, the Bible tells me to really honor you as a weaker vessel, and you're the one who has to go through the medical issues, so therefore, I'm going to listen to your, your advice to not do it, and I agree to not do it. And there you go, you've got your agreement. See what I mean? So that's a, a great example, and um, I think that's one of the ways to go through, uh, or the, those are the steps that you go through to, to solve problems, whether it's after an affair or before an affair, um, to, to make sure that your marriage is, you know, affair-proofed. So, okay, so next we're going to continue on with this every week, looking at the topics that you have given to us in the topic survey. I have to tell you, I love hearing from you guys if you have questions about this one, about problem solving, or if you are having trouble problem solving, uh, you can always contact us. Uh, there's our contact page, which I'm, I'm going to ask the dear hubby if you will put that link right there. But you can also reach us at... Uh, by making a comment on the blog page, just right down below here. 
You can also, um, or on the YouTube page if you're watching us on the YouTube channel. Uh, if you're listening on the blog, you can email us. Uh, it comes to both of us, so you get both the male and female view and the disloyal spouse and the loyal spouse view. So it's uh, affaircare at gmail.com, and you'd reach both of us, Cindy and David. And uh, again, just thank you so much for listening, and hope you guys uh, have a great day, and God bless. Bye-bye. Thank you.